Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Friday night. I hope everybody's doing great. It's uh, episode 88. Uh, it's Mark and Dave from Tone Talk, and we've got uh, an awesome pickup maker, pickup guru, as I should say, um, Lindy Fralin from Lindy Fralin Pickups. How you doing, Lindy? Very good. Good to have you on. Dave, how's it going with you? It's another day. Another day in paradise. Another day. <laughs> working. Repeat. The next day, working. Repeat. Yeah. 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 People go, what's new? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. There's nothing new. It was like my anniversary. Um, when was it? It was during the week. It was Wednesday. And we were going to go out to eat and just decided not to and just brought in. You know, well, that's good. We don't have any place to go eat. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's like it's all shut. There's nothing. Oh, everything's shut down now. Well, it, it, there's no um, outdoor eating. There's no indoor eating. There's just takeout. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they don't have that here yet. <laughs> and Lindy, no, you're in, you're in Virginia, right? I'm in Virginia, and restaurants can have something like twenty percent capacity, and outside every other table or something. It's it, they're going broke. They're not, it's not doing much of that. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's why we try to support our local restaurants with takeout a lot. Yeah, we do too. Yeah, definitely. I had one tonight. Yeah. Um. So uh, I hope everybody's doing well. We haven't had a show at least. At least it feels like two weeks. We were doing like these shows like every uh, every week for a while, um, but we took a little bit of a break. It seems like. Well, that's good because you know we will. Run out of guests. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard enough to book guests sometimes, and then and, and it's like if we space them out a little bit, it's, it's, it seems a little easier on us. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. Um, and I was really happy to have you uh, agree to come on, Lindy. Um, I've been a fan of your pickups for many many years. Um, you know, pretty much ever since I decided to rip out pickups from a gu guitar it was like oh you need to get Fralin pickups mm -hmm. um especially strap pickups you know and i remember when i put in a set into just a regular i, I might have been a squire and it just turned that guitar into like a whole other animal you know it was just a great guitar after that um so thank you for coming on <clears throat> and um so how, how's business for you during these times? Well, like, okay? It's been really, really pretty good. Yeah, we we're down a few percentage, but we we're very grateful to be working. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of music stores may have shut down, but our online sales have kept up very strong. Yeah, everyone's sitting at home going, yeah, you know, I, I need to replace that pickup in my guitar. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I love what you said about the Squire Strat because I also, my test guitar room has five Mexican Fenders and about six Korean and Chinese Epiphones. And these days, these imports, most of them are really good guitars. Yeah. The fretwork, the finish, the quality, um, you know, you, I might not like the way the neck is shaped and sometimes electronics are cheap, but that's what so many of my customers are putting the pickups in. Yeah, that's a that's a good reference point. It's yeah, it's amazing. I, I don't judge any guitar by where it came from. Just strum it a few times, and you'll know if it's good. Because absolutely, 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah there's been, I mean, way back, I mean, there was good Squire guitars and mm -hmm. there was, you know, um, and the Mexican ones are fantastic, really, other than, you know, and you can always just take them and get them the frets dressed and, and you know, just souped up a little bit, throw some pickups in, and you're good to go. It's a good guitar. All the ones I have, there was a few. I, I kind of only buy on Craigslist anymore, so you get to strum them. Mm -hmm. eBay or Reverb, you have to really want something. It's a little bit of a risk. Um, but yeah. you get to strum it, and the neck is straight, and it rings, and you can yeah. fix, you can fix anything else about it. I was going to say you throw you fix the electronics, throw in some great pickups, yeah. <clears throat> maybe a new pot or whatever, and then you you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I had um, I just got a set from you guys of I think it was Vintage Hots in my GNL. I I was not very pleased with the GNL pickups for the most part, and so then I. You guys filled in a um, uh, a pick guard for me, and I just loaded it in. It was you know it was already preloaded, so I just popped it in. It was, I think I only had a you know solder three things, and that was it. Yeah. It was super. Well, that's good. It sounds great, it sounds especially great. if you you still have the old one. If you ever choose to sell the instrument, exactly. I just popped off the other pick guard. So Mark doesn't sell anything. <laughs> he's, he's a lefty so he, he's got to keep hold of him tight <laughs> i i don't sell a lot of guitars but you know i i do sell a lot of shit though <laughs> I, I also collect comic books i'm a comic book collector oh wow i've been doing it since i was a kid so i've got a ton so whenever i feel like you know what i just i feel like buying something else or shifting some money over or whatever i'll, I'll so just last week, I sold a whole bunch of comic books and stuff like that, unloaded it. And then you bought a guitar or something. I Well, I paid off the Star guitar that I bought. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I have a Warmoth building me a Star guitar, So that, of which that's right. the humbucker. That, that's funny, too. Custom guitars is what I've been getting more into the last maybe 10 years. Since vintage guitars have gone out of sight. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think you know. I've got behind me some of my favorite guitars, and the telly I've got here, I would put up against any telly on the planet. It's, you know, I mean, it's totally inspired by Fender. It's light ash, big maple neck, mm -hmm. uh, but it has a Callahan bridge and our split blades, and just a few a few different things from like I always like the control plate turned around. Learn that from Bill Curtin. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but you can tell by the way this thing rings it's just acoustically you can tell it's an amazing guitar did you get it from Warmoth, the Warmoth parts? no um, the neck is one of our necks that comes from all parts there's okay. CNC copies of one I mailed them so they're they're not wider, they're deeper with a little bit of a rounded V it's not, not bulky as a baseball bat, but it's not a pointed V either. It's very comfortable. If you have small hands, and if you wrap the, your thumb around, then this neck would be ideal for you. Hmm. I'm, a, I'm a V neck fan. Mm -hmm. Me too. Like, like kind of a soft V. I, I think it fits my hand nicely. I just I think that's what you would call this. Yeah. yeah. 
you know what I what I learned while I was shaping these necks myself. I've learned to do that in the last couple of years. And what I learned was this bone and this bone at the base of your thumb and finger, yeah. wherever they hit is where you want to remove wood. The rest can be huge. It, the whole neck feels smaller if you just remove wood where those bones are going to hit. Yeah, which and makes sense with the Forty-five degree angles. It's right there. Right. Just take off 64th of an inch there and the neck feels smaller when it really didn't lose any mass. Right. That makes I, think sense. I think it's the mass that makes them sound better. They, it's not that they're creating sound, they're losing less. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually feel a, a thicker neck sounds better. I do too. Yeah. yeah, think about a little lap steel. When I was a kid, I had the opportunity to pull a, a telly-looking lap steel pickup out of a lap steel and put it in my telly, and it didn't sound any better. But in the lap steel, it sounded twice as loud as my telly. Hmm. And then I realized 15 years later that's because it had a two-by-four for a neck on that guitar instead of a fret, a bar, steel bar. But everything about it, there's no energy lost at all in those strings. And True. Interesting. I thought for sure my guitar was going to sound that good, but I ended up putting it back in. It wasn't mounted in there right anyway. They don't. They don't fit easy. They're like have wedged something behind it. I think. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, I want to mention uh, and Deja Blue. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, everybody, check out Sweetwater. Um, I have forgotten over the past, I don't know, three or four shows to mention Sweetwater. Uh, they are our sponsor of the show. I don't think so. No, yeah. I, I, I don't remember mentioning them. I, yeah, I don't think so. All right. Um, okay. Uh, but I, and if any case, uh, maybe I mentioned it at the end, but I wanted to mention it at the beginning. Uh, you guys check out Sweetwater. Uh, they got some sales going on. Uh, so we have a link uh, in the information underneath the video. So you'll see that. Click on that. Um, of course, we'll go into where you can get uh, Lindy Fralin pickups and everything like that. But make sure you check out the Sweetwater link, and you know we get a we get a little commission off of anything that you guys buy, which helps the channel and helps uh, support pay for the podcast and all that other stuff. So we appreciate it. And with that said, I will enough of that. So enough of that. <laughs> well, Lindy, tell your tell your story. So where where did you all start with this? Uh, dumb business. <laughs> mm. Obviously, you're a guitar player. I guess it, you know the. It started with me just being a tinkerer all my life. My parents used to hate it because I would drag home a dead phonograph that I found on the side of the road and try to fix it. But uh, you know, none of that ever led to anything. But after uh, trying to be a professional musician for a few years, I started repairing my own guitars just because I couldn't afford them. I couldn't afford good guitars, you know, expensive guitars, vintage guitars, or even new ones. So I just scoured the newspaper and what we used to call before, before the internet, there was a little publication called trading post. They'd right. come out with all the used gear and I would just scour it. Cause I was just interested in these guitars, but I couldn't go to a music store and pay I mean, back then you could get a Gretsch 6120 for a thousand bucks, but I still didn't have a thousand bucks. Yeah. And strats were, you know, moving around for 300. Um, mm. Les Paul Juniors for 300. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I can't tell you. Les Paul. Yeah. 
I made 25 bucks and thought I was doing great. Boy, if I kept some of them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but who, who knew back then? Yeah. But that's just, you know, started learning how to repair. And at some point I read an article about Danny Gatton winding his own pickups. And I had, I had known a friend of mine here in town, Keith Gress is his name, was winding them. And it, it didn't interest me until I heard from Danny Gatton. Then I went over to his house and saw his little rig. He had built it out of a dentist drill motor, nailed to a board or something, and would have to hold the wire in his fingers and, you know, do this. Like, that's pretty much what the girls at Fender did. They held the wire in their fingers. Mm -hmm. Fender pickups were hand wound up till about 64. And um, I, I liked it. I liked the idea. And you could also buy the magnet wire back then for about six bucks a pound. And now it's more like 28. So I could just experiment and fiddle around with it and try to get the sounds like Roy Buchanan was getting out of his telly. My telly didn't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it just was very gradual over the years. That, that whole thing. I just fiddled around with it for myself for a while. And then at some point I met Steve at Angela Instruments and I had been helping him score stuff from the music stores down here. So we knew each other every now and then I'd, you know, take a pre-CBS strat up there and get 300 bucks for it. <laughs> Back then if I made 50, I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but he thought I could advertise my pickup rewinding in his uh, magazine and I just took a picture of a big pile of pickups, all kinds of different stuff. And it made me look real professional. But the truth is every time I got one in, I had to learn how it worked, take it apart, figure out how it worked, what wire was on it, where the magnets were and how all that worked. And by listening to them just really slowly over 30, 40 years, I kind of learned pickup design. It's, if I hadn't been doing rewinds, I wouldn't know a fraction of what I know. Mm -hmm. And I see all the different designs. And, and if you listen to each one, you can, um, you can really quickly tell the difference between something like with Alnico in the coil as opposed to steel in the coil. You know, Alnico in the coil is Fenders, Rickenbackers, Dan Electros, Melody Makers. Mm -hmm. they're, they're clear. They're not dirty. It's... It's a whole different family of pickups from anything with steel in it. They're all like beefier and thicker and quicker to get distorted. You learn that stuff from just experience, fiddling with it. Now, what year did you start doing the rewinds? Oh, late 80s. So so this point, Duncan was already doing it. Oh, long, long before me. Yeah, okay. Yes. He's always been very nice to me, by the way. He's a, he's a nice guy, generous with information and always friendly. I have enormous respect for him and actually all the people in the pickup business. There's no cutthroats in this business. It doesn't seem like mm -hmm. everybody's decent with each other, share materials if we need them. Um, I've become friends with both TV Jones and Jason Lawler at some of the NAM shows. Don't continue to hang out, but the rest of us sometimes do. <laughs> all right. That's cool. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's we're lucky that way. Cause you know how cutthroat some businesses are. Yeah, that I will say that the one thing that, and that's the beauty of our show also is that we've, I mean, you know, Dave's a manufacturer, has his own brands, and 
I mean, we have everybody in the music business on the show and um, it seems like a really very open business where everybody's like, you know, willing to help out and mm -hmm. just be friendly. And it doesn't appear to be like, you know, Oh, I'm going to try to shut your business down. Kind of cutthroat kind of shit that goes, well, you know, I, I, I sort of had the, you know, I was a young guy uh, in the heyday of, all these amp companies and manufacturers starting really, you know, there wasn't a lot of boutique companies or anything before, you know, for even like 1985, you know, it didn't really exist that much. You know, there was, there was companies, but they weren't really boutique companies. But then after 85, you know, 87, 88, 89, 90, early nineties, man, uh, uh, you know, all these companies started, you know, and that's that we've had a lot of these people and friends on the show. And I, I, I basically grew up with them starting their companies and I knew them. So I'm still friendly with all of them. And, and you know, it's just kind of a family. Right. All these guys, we're all friendly with each other and it's fine. It is. And it's, and it's cool that way. I mean, share a little secret here, share a little secret there, but that's fine. That's, it all comes around, you know, because when you need something, you're going to go, hey, you know, where do you get that thing you get for that, you know? Sources, yeah, that's super important. You know? Sourcing, sourcing things because... I'm sure with you, wire magnets, different things. It's just That stuff's... Uh, really, there's like two sources of magnet wire in America. Mm -hmm. But screws and things, lots of sources, so... I've gotten good advice from some some of these other guys helping me out where to get custom screws made because everything in a pickup you can't go in a hardware store and buy that. Yeah, they're special shapes and sizes. They have to be a certain kind of steel. And they have to be nickel plated usually. Yeah, so it's a certain kind of steel. Sometimes the makeup of the steel and what what went into the into it. What was the old pickup like? And you know how do you want to get it to that? Uh, you know the thing I really realized early on is when you started as a company like i was telling you earlier off the air um at the time in the early 90s i was working for a company making music and we started selling some of your pickups and um the thing that we all loved about those pickups um was they had that thing that old pickups had and that's what was cool and what I mean by that with single coils per, is um, when you when a really cool old single coil, when you dig into it, it almost sounds like it compresses. It's not real stiff. It almost gives and has a little compression feel to it. And it's the actual pickup. Or, well, it, your pickups have that. Not every pickup in the world has that, you know, and uh, I think that's really important to me. And it sounds yeah. like the old pickups. Well, I think if I have a niche in the pickup market, it's clarity too. Mm -hmm. I've studied for forty years now. How do you make a pickup louder in the frequencies that matter mm -hmm. without more turns or a stronger magnet? How do you do it with just the coil? How you layer it? Which wire? how tight or how loose, which wax you put on it. Yeah. Not everything matters in the whole process from beginning to end. 
Um, but you know, you can't wind it. Uh, you have to be careful in so many ways. You can't scrape the wire and have you'll have shorted turns. Mm-hmm. You can't stretch the wire. You'll have miniature breaks in the finish, and they'll oxidize and die. That's probably what's killing most old pickups. I get in for rewinds. Is the old finish is just shrinking. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I'll peel them and they break over and over again, and nobody stabbed it. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, got acid way deep in the coil. It's just corrosion. Enough time. Right. So you want to wind them, you know, gently loose. You want to make sure all the we 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 tension the wire with little alligator jaws with felt pads in them. Keep those clean. Mm. You know, all that stuff matters. But I do think uh, what I've studied all these years is, you know, the frequencies that matter to a guitar player are 40 hertz to about 4,000. They don't care about 20K. Most of our ears are shot anyway. Mine aren't. <laughs> Mine too. One of them has no high end, and the other one maybe gets up to about 15K. The uh, But a guitar amp, mostly pr- produces about 80 through 4,000 and a bass amp 40 through 4,000. Mm-hmm. If you can make the pickup mo- more efficient in that range without stronger magnets or more wire, you're doing what you want to do. And Leo Fender knew that stuff. And his background was repairing radios, so he, he really understood how to make the pickup sound good, I think. Mm-hmm. He also... I'm I'm in awe of Fender's amps almost more than his guitars. I still play. I have a whole collection of blackface Fenders. Nothing on earth sounds as good as those to me. And they're 60 years old and they still work. Mm-hmm. You know, I try new amps. I tried Marshalls and Voxes, and I own a couple of Gibsons that I really do like. But they're they, the Gibsons I like were made between 57 and 61. That era, whatever factory they were using, were really good. Hmm. And you know, the funny thing is, too, I always say that a Fender amp uh, is uh, a Fender guitar goes with a Fender amp. Sure. Uh, so, so Fender single coil pickups sound great through a Fender amp. That's a true. Humbuckers, not always great. I actually and, like them. You just have to turn the amp down. Yeah, you have to turn it down and turn it a little differently. Humbuckers but. are um, – well, humbuckers don't sound any better through Gibson amps. <laughs> mm. One of my amps is a GA6, Go ahead. 1957, and in the catalog it claimed it had lots of headroom. <laughs> <laughs> that is the dirtiest amp I have yeah. ever owned in my life. By, by, by the time it's on one – it sounds like Carlos Santana with all that sustain. Yeah. It's two six two sixty-sixes and a twelve, but it's got tiny transformers. So mm-hmm. it's dirtier than most champs. What I just love it though, because somehow, like when you talked about compression, somehow in that amp, something is compressing all the different frequencies so that it always has just the right amount of bass, mids, and highs. It doesn't turn to dark mud when you crank it. Mm. Uh, when you play it clean, it's it's got the same ratio bass to mids to high. So fenders sound great through that Gibson amp. Mm-hmm. Gibson's, I think you need a bigger amp to make a Gibson. You know, Gibson's hard hard to love a Princeton, but Vibralux or 
fiber verb. I have one of each. They love Gibsons. Mm. Yeah, but like 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 you said, the uh, the EQ frequency you got to mess with. Yeah, there is something magical though about a Strat and a blackface. Oh yes, and or, like a yeah. super yeah. reverb and a Strat. Oh, I don't even is every pickup on Earth sounds better in a Tele. If you scroll <laughs> the walls of my test room, I have a two different mini humbucker Tellys, one double P90 Tele, one wide wide range humbucker Tele, yeah. um, and about six regular Tellys. Some split blades, some one one for steel poles, which is a telly-sized but P90 kind of pickup. Mm -hmm. But just everything sounds better in a telly because with those three brass saddles and the strings anchored in wood, they resonate mm -hmm. like nothing else. Mm -hmm. Although I recently put together a Les Paul that I it was custom-made for me by a guy with several of my ideas incorporated, and I really am pleased with it. I bet I, bet I could strum it. You could hear it unamplified. How good this guitar is! Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see it too. I brought some props. I was going <laughs> to give you that amp, but I think it would kill the mic. This yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it looks like a Les Paul. Let's see. We changed the headstock angle from seventeen degrees to ten. Oh yeah, I gave it a belly cut. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I moved the knobs because I like one master volume. Right. Up by the bridge. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Um, I, I wired this up with master volume, master tone, blender pot, so I can still have how much of each pickup I want. And this is a gradual coil tap. When I when I lift it, I can get anything from 100% down to 50% of the pickup. Oh, that's cool. It's like having a volume control on two slug coils. Mm-hmm. And lastly, but most important, is this bridge. It's a junior. Yeah. But they make somebody makes this with a, like a stealth intonated zigzag across the top. I don't oh, yeah. see it, but mm -hmm. it's a genius idea. And listen to this thing. Yeah. Can you hear it? How loud it is? That's loud. Ever it's since loud, I got right? it, it's the only thing I play around the house. I don't even plug it in. It's just. So fun to play. <laughs> That's awesome. And here's the telly I was telling you about. This this guitar weighs six pounds. I can't believe how light it is. And it has the same ring to it. Yep. Right. It'll ring a long time. <laughs> That's an ash body, you said? It's an ash body, but super light. The whole guitar weighs six pounds. Love it. That's hard to find. I paid two hundred bucks just for that board. I've got a uh, custom shop telly. The only reason why I haven't had you build me a telly, Dave, is because of this one that I that I have over here from the custom shop that I was lucky enough to pick up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this thing, this thing. Yeah. It's a great guitar. Sounds good. And it's worn. It's. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, I've, I've seen that before. You showed, showed me that. Before. I swear, yeah. the voice of an instrument's in the design in the woods. The pickup's just a microphone, really. Well, yeah. I think you can give yourself a little more credit than that. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of pickups that do not sound nearly as good as yours. Oh, yeah. Well, you you know you can get good and bad microphones, but the voice of the instrument is in the design, the 
scale, the bridge choices, and how good yeah. the wood is. Yeah, you know, I know you've played bad fenders and bad tellers. Sure. I've had a few myself, and the, the treble strings went plink, plink, and the wow strings were dull, and nothing I could put in it sounded good. Mm -hmm. But if you get, a, if you're lucky, you get one like that. That's the opposite. The treble strings are thick, the wow strings are bright. And right. You can't fake that. It's. I think that's just in the wood. Mm -hmm. Right. I do love the three brass saddles. That that particular one is a Callahan bridge. His stuff is just so well made. I've got a, four of them on get different guitars. Yeah, they make great stuff. Oh, yeah, all the threads fit so tight, and the, the bottom of that bridge plate is absolutely flat. It's just so well, so well made. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff's important. Oh, it is. So when you went, when you were, you know, thinking about when you were rewinding pickups, is that the reason why you know you you're mindset was more about replicating and doing more vintage style types of pickups as opposed to, you know, maybe something different. I'm just curious. Some of that was just demand, what people wanted. Right. But, you know, what the music that excited me as a kid was Hendrix. So I've had Strat since I was 14. I was 14 when he died and I, I had a Strat before that. So I had Strat since I was before. Um, there's something so beautiful about a Strat in the hands of someone like him, or I like Stevie Winwood and Traffic too. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, just beautiful open airy tones with the bright sparkly wound strings. So if, if if I had to have one guitar, it would be a Strat because I do use a whammy bar. If I didn't, if I wasn't using a whammy bar, I'd grab a Tele first. I don't even need a middle pickup. <laughs> oh, you just need a Tele with a whammy bar. I, yeah, well, <laughs> so you might as well just have the contoured body, the comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true, very true. I like Bigsby's a lot too. Um, I have a lot of different guitars with a Bigsby on them. It's a little, you know, it's a lot, not as radical as a Strat when you start wiggling it. It's more mm -hmm. subtle. I like that mm -hmm. time. Yeah, but I mean, so, but you're, but you're, you're growing up, and your playing style is more of the classic uh, blues, like rockabilly, like you said that you play and things like that. So it's naturally you're going to make pickups that are a little more uh, suited towards your own liking, just mm -hmm. like camps suited towards my liking more so. Yeah, I think I've always had bright wound strings because I played acoustics before I had electrics. I inherited a. Um, banner uh, model Gibson acoustic. The ones mm -hmm. that the only Gibson's good enough on them. I think mm -hmm. we were made in the middle of the war. Took it out of my grandparents' attic. I was in trouble for something and wasn't allowed to leave the house. I think we were up on the roof in the middle of the night. And I played that guitar all day and they said, you can take it home with you. So I we had acoustic Gibson when I was in fifth grade think and so I, I always loved brand new strings on the acoustics so I like I think I've always loved bright wound strings on a fender too mm. what attracted me to fenders over humbucker guitars humbuckers always seem to have dull wound strings and you know I think they're the best pickup and around for dirty playing but not the best for clean oh I agree with that they, they, they're perfect for dirty because they got that big mid-range for crunching chords and a 
kind of very bright treble strings for cutting through on soloing. Nothing better than a humbucker for that. Definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, for, at least for me, when I want to get really good cleans or just that slightly bluesy breakup, I'll go to a, a Strat or a Tele single mm -hmm. coils. But, you know, when I'm going to rock, yeah, you know, hard rock, any of that stuff, it's always a humbucker. Well, uh, we played Freddie King and Chuck Berry, and though that's just made for Gibsons. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds right. The thicker yeah. treble strings. I've I've not tried many P90s. Um, oh, that can be great. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Some people are like, I know Phil X is a huge P90 fan, and some people are huge P90 fans. Um, for me, I haven't I haven't landed on trying that yet. Um, so what's like a good example of P90 tones? Uh, well, they're they're as loud as humbuckers for the most part. I mean, not modern humbuckers that are really hot wound, but they have a brighter wound string, but a slightly rounder treble. So they still have that really big, thick Gibson sound, but the single coil version of it. So the, there's a little, little bit more, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit more brightness on the wound string, and they'll still crunch an amp like a chainsaw if you push it. But uh, I like the brighter wound string, so I actually, for years, preferred P90s to humbuckers. Hmm. This Les Paul was my first Les Paul in my life. I've never owned a 335 or a Les Paul, but I decided I had to have one. And if, I put the coil tap on it if I need bright wound strings for rhythms. I, I can do it. So I can play that thing for half a set and just love it on every song. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the, and also, and also Lindy probably makes, I think my favorite hum canceling P90 because a, a traditional P90 can be very troublesome at times because of yeah. there's a big, large single coil. So, yeah. They hum loud and they also weren't potted for the, for most of Gibson's history. And so they can squeal. Yeah. yeah. Well, this touches on our, uh, question that we actually have from uh, Super Chat from uh, Vibas Patil. Thank you uh, for your Super Chat. He says, can you talk about the challenges of making a noise-canceling P90 and single coil? Why does the gap in tone between hum-canceling P90s and true single coil P90 seem smaller than that of conventional? That's a really good question. I like the way he used the word challenge because it was. It took a couple of years to get a hum-canceling P90 that sounded good enough. But I will tell you, um, the reason they sound the same is because the magnet structure is the same. You took the coils away, what's left of the metal and magnets looks the same. Mm -hmm. So instead of one big coil around the screws, I've got two small coils this way, but on the same magnet structure. And it took some tweaking to make that work. Um, all the early prototypes just didn't sound like much. But I, you see the, the challenges, and that's why I like the way he worded that. Is I wanted them to fit a soap bar and a dog ear. I wanted to not have to make a stacked pickup. So I had to figure a way that it would fit on the same parts I already had. Nobody wants to route their guitar to put a new, you know, like a stacked P90. What was that Gibson's P100? Um, that's twice as tall. So it was a challenge, and it took a lot of fiddling with. And I'm on my uh, 
fifth magnet, each one slight improvement over the one before. And so, you know, I think we've tweaked it to get really good sounds. They're probably one or 2% darker, but they got the same character, that big mid-range, but still kind of bright, articulate sound. And another thing about P90, as we didn't mention before, is they're so touch sensitive. You can brush on them and they're clean and you dig in and they crunch. It's if you have your action high enough, they're just a fun pickup. Yeah, I agree. That's cool. A, a single pickup junior would be my my choice with the uh, you know a red over the years. I miss a pickup though. I have a fake junior with a neck end, I mean special with a neck end bridge. And I also have this guitar that Nobody could give me a half a million for this guitar. Wow, wow. 25, but I've owned a dozen of them. This one is magic. Cool. Play, so just two hum canceling P90s and what did he go? 225. This guitar has the best neck I've ever owned. It weighs about five pounds. Hmm. Wow. Mate. I just can't believe how much I like it. It plays so good. It's got 12s on it. Is that, is that a Gibson? It's a, oh, it's a real Gibson. Yeah, okay. Somewhere in the mid-50s. I don't know. Beautiful. When I got it, it was uh, painted black with a paintbrush. And every oh. piece of everything was stripped off. And not even a strap button left. <laughs> even with 12s. It plays like butter. So I've, you, you sometimes you just have a guitar that every single thing on it works perfect. And you can't. Yeah, you wouldn't trade for anything. Your telly, I guess, is that way for you. Oh, yeah, I love that telly. That one, I own four other 225s, and none come close to that one uh, as far as the neck shape. You know, but in the 50s, Gibson neck shapes were done by a guy with a scraping tool. So they're, they're all different. <laughs> they're very different. <laughs> it's fun. It's great. For they may have started with the same piece of rosewood because they're all very consistent in width, but the back is shaped by a human hand, so it's they're they're fun. And oh, yeah. I'm my own next lately. I did a little teeny YouTube video about how to use a scraping tool to, to shape a neck. And uh, the luthier who builds my guitars, including that Les Paul, brings them to me strung up with no finish. And I shape, I finish the neck shaping it with strings on it so I know exactly how it's supposed to be done. And he takes it apart and puts the paint on it. That's super cool. Probably cost an extra hundred bucks to have him do that, but I don't mind. These guitars, if you do that, it feels like you've owned it your whole life. It's just, it's your guitar. Right. Well, it's fitting. And yeah. That old thing started with uh, I bought an all parts fat 50s neck for one of my tellies. And um, it was baseball bat. But it had the fingerboard and frets I wanted. And after a month, I said, man, there's got to be something I can do to this. And I think I asked some of my friends, like Dan Erlewine, you know, and he said, don't, don't sand it. Get a scraping tool and learn how to sharpen it and use it. So I did. And that's good advice because it brings up a shaving, like a plane instead of a bunch of dust and scratches. Mm. And you can shape it without breathing dust. or You don't have to use, like, 10 different grits of sandpaper to smooth it off because there are no scratches. Hmm. So I, I shaped that neck and after I did a couple more, I asked Steve at all parts, how many do I have to buy for you to copy my shape? 
and he told me we've been doing it ever since. So that got me into shaping necks in the first place. But then I, I shaped the neck on my flying V, my little Les Paul special. And that, that Les Paul there all turned out great. Give me one second. My dog wants out. Okay, sure. <laughs> the dog will throw our bell. <laughs> Literally little bells hanging from the doorknob. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dog is it? I have two Labradoodles. Ah, oh, ten and fourteen. They're they're great dogs. <laughs> well, did I ask you this question? And um, uh, three card Monty asked thoughts on humbucker size P nineties. Well, it's a challenge to put a single coil because you can't put the same coil under it. It won't go. So you have to make it a little taller and a one gauge smaller wire because you, you have to put the full 10,000 turns on it. And, so, you know, since the ends are cut off, you have less room. We actually do it on a single humbucker bobbin. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the, the, the F-spaced humbucker bobbins I get are taller. Instead of 250, they're about three three two five tall, I think. And I can get 10,000 turns of 43 on there and still use the same bar magnets underneath, the two Alnico 4 bar magnets, just like a regular P90. There's a very little compromise putting it in a humbucker cover. And our hum-canceling version fits without any mods at all. So wait, so there's a hum-canceling version of the humbucker-sized yeah. P90? When I was designing the Hum canceling P90. Remember, I said it's two sideways coils around the same screws. Yeah, it's an injection mold, and they cost about twelve thousand. So I made sure it fit a lot of different covers: mm. soap bars, um, dog ears, humbuckers, even our newest pickup in our line. We bought the tool to make dearmas. With my last prop, and I'll quit showing guitars. I own the tool that makes these covers. And I made sure that the um, hum canceling P90 would fit in here too. Oh, that's great. And then I went and got a second mold for the Aldico rods because this actual pickup is a, a more of a dearmin sound. Instead of screws, they're Aldico rods. Hmm. Oh, wow. So that's, this is a, another guitar I play at gigs all the time. It's just a reissue Gretsch with our pickups in it. And um, they yeah, said a super cool pickup then. So it's like a, a so it was hum canceling, you said, right? Yeah, that one I was trying to make a hum canceling jazz master. Uh -huh. It just didn't work with screws. There was nothing I could do with the parts I already had to make it sound right. You could try underwinding it, stronger magnets, weaker magnets. It didn't sound like a jazz master. Mm. So we bit the bullet and drew up a tool um, and I spent another 12 grand on it. And I made sure it fit all five of those covers I mentioned. It'll fit the Diarman, the soap bar, the dog ear and the humbucker and the jazz master. Oh, see, it's a two cavity mold. So one of them is uh, 49, five millimeter and one is 52. Okay. So the 52 fits the jazz master and the, we have wide covers for soap bars so we can, somebody can get a soap bar 
and put it in a telly hmm. if they need the wide space. And so that that home canceling jazz master is also the dearmament. And if you look on, if you're on a soap bar page, it's called the home canceling P90 with Alan Koo rods. But the guts are the same on all of them. Well, it's a clear pickup, but louder than fenders. Not as dirty as uh. Well, there you go. It's the humbucker version. That's the humbucker version, and then so these are the the noiseless humbuckers. Yeah, the humbuckers are grouped be, not by sound but by size. Mm -hmm. So there are all kinds of different sounds you can get out of the different models on that page, but um, they'll all drop in a humbucker slot. Right. Okay. And then, uh, by the way, you have a quite quite a nice layout for your website too. Yeah, it makes well, it quite have, easy for people. I have an in-house webmaster who's so good at this; he likes doing it. You know, <laughs> I'd rather be tortured by a proctologist and. Spend all the time. <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a fan of computers because I'm just I don't know. It's just for some reason very limited patience when it comes to a machine that doesn't work right. <laughs> right. So here's the so yeah. He he actually enjoys putting new things up, photographs. Mm. You know yeah, I just like it. I like I like the website because it's really clean. It's really easy to figure out what where you are and how to order and just get it and boom done. Yep. Good. Uh, yeah, we try I agree. to give a lot of free information. We we probably add a, a you know, a drawing a week too to all the pages of how to do tool yeah. mods or how to do um, wiring. Weird, weird wiring. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that stuff attracts traffic to the website. So yeah, I agree. There's schematics up there if you want to figure out how to make a three knob strat that does different things instead of just volume and two tones. So let me, let me ask you a question. So you used to make a pickup called Woodstock. We do still do. still make it if on a request? We still do. We don't advertise it because to me it's kind of voodoo that people are buying a left-handed pickup to put in a right-handed guitar. I know. But they but sound exactly like our vintage hots. Yeah. They're, they're basically the same pickup with a left-handed stagger. Well, wasn't it a different wire? Well, it is. It's plain and it's a purple wire, right? And They're then both like, 2 gauge on Alnico 5 magnets, so they really don't sound any different. Yeah, I, this, I just remember this from way back. So the, the vintage hots had a had a you know the um the um the, well the orange wire you call it sort yeah. of time form and, var form var yeah and then and then the the Woodstocks had the purple wire, which was mm -hmm. the plain enamel, right? Yes, there, there's really the same sound though. The Woodstocks, if you AB'd a Woodstock set and this vintage hot set in the same strat, you wouldn't, I don't think a blind test, you'd be able to tell the difference. I always thought they were a little warmer than the, than the vintage hots, but hmm. vintage hots were a little glassier maybe to me. Well, plain enamel is on tellies. No one thinks them as dark. True. And, you know, a lot of strats had plain enamel. Once, mm -hmm. it, once about 65 came along, Fender put plain enamel on until 82. Mm -hmm. So I, I think if you uh, know what you're doing with wire, you can make them all sound the same. 
Right. I had really good results with the, <laughs> the pink wire poly nylon. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, if you wind it a certain way to make it sound. It's also how you buy it. Um, they have different what's called dielectric constants, which is just means you have to buy them with a different thickness of finish on them. And then mm -hmm. they pretty much even out to, to mm -hmm. behave very much the same. Hmm. Um, we like the single poly nylon for anything overwound because it's it has the same uh, dielectric constant with a thinner finish than form var with a thicker finish. Hmm. So form var, you're going to be limited how much wire you can put on them. Yeah. To, to pick up. Yeah, a long time ago, uh, and this again was back in the early '90s, so this would be '92-ish, let's say. Um, I had you wind a vintage hot bridge pickup for me. And I wanted it, my idea was I wanted the single coil to sound more like a PAF. Mm. Um, but still, you know, maintain, maintain the single coil kind of thing. So you, you overwound it with the orange wire, actually, as much as you could put on it. And then uh, you also put a metal base plate on on the bridge pickup. I, that was just before you were offering the metal base plate. I think this was like one of the first. Hmm. I think one of the first strap pickups you did it on, and um, and you double wax dipped it because I played it with like gain and stuff, and and that was an amazing sounding pickup. Hmm. You remember the ohm reading? Because I don't remember. I don't really remember the ohm reading, but. Um, well, how much wire? How much? How much of that wire do you think you can get on a coil? You can only get about seven k if you're lucky. If you, if you like, really look at your rolls of wire. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get a slightly skinnier batch of wire, but I did at some point buy a uh, hundred pounds of forty-two point five gauge. Mm -hmm. And so it's really easy to push them all the way up into 8K, which I was just curious. You know, which I don't one really got. remember, but I rem uh, it, I, it might not have been 8K. It might have been 7 or a little tiny bit over 7. Seven um, base plate on it, it gave it a little more, you know, oomph to it. it. And, and I have no idea what – and it was double wax dipped. I know that. And I, I don't remember. I don't know what magnets were in it. Well, we've been using Alnico 5 forever. Okay. Probably we that's what we're our source for American-made Alnico 5. Yeah. As long as they'll keep, keep making it, I'll buy American-made. Right, right. I don't know that it's better. I've, I've tried Chinese magnets, and they sound the same, but they don't keep the tolerances. Mm -hmm. You'll get, you know, different size or just, it'll just be different every time. American-made stuff is always exactly what you ask for. Right, right. And when we're pressing them into the fiberboard, trying to build these pickups, you don't want it to be a variation in diameter. No. It makes fiberboard be falling off the magnet. Oh, yeah. You'll have them falling apart if the holes are too big. And if the holes are too small, when you push the magnet through, it pushes material out the back. Mm. You know, it's, or it splits the material or something. It's... It's worth getting good stuff that you know will be consistent and the same every time. Yeah, and then and then and then during that time also, then I sort of got uh, 
uh, Don Grosh at Grosh Guitars to start buying your pickups to put in his guitars in that or in the in the early days. I know you. I know you sold him a lot of pickups over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, we got a super chat from Night Mission. Please thank Lindy for making me smile huge. His descriptions and way of explaining tones is a joy to listen to. That's nice. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Night Mission. Appreciate that. We also have another one um, from Steve Rayburn. Thank you. Hey, guys. Lindy, your unbucker is my favorite humbucker ever. Please don't ever stop making it. Where'd that Al Nico 4 idea come from? Yeah. Uh, I'll go four. That, that's made by, in, you know, by Arnold. That's American made. Alnico. Alnico four is almost the same as five chemically, but there's something different about how it's annealed or how it's made that makes it five percent weaker. And we just like it on P90s and humbuckers. Um, although I use Alnico two on our pure PAFs, that's our lowest output pickup. I use the fours in our modern PAFs. And I use fives in the high output PAF. Right. The higher you go, pickup naturally gets darker, more mid rangey and darker, and eventually dirtier. And so the stronger magnet keeps the high end from getting overly dark. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for the compliment about the unbuckers. Unbuckers are mismatched coils done on purpose. If people don't know what an unbucker is, and that name was given me by a gentleman, I I loved it ever since. He said, "Why don't you call them unbuckers?" <laughs> Can't remember who he was now, but the name stuck, and we still use it. So that's what, like a uh, what kind of heat is on that pickup? That's a mismatched coil. If you bought an unbucker set and didn't specify anything, you would get a seven five neck mm -hmm. that's made out of a four and a half and a three. And you'd get a eight-five bridge. It's made out of a five and a three and a half. Oh, okay. So it's it's reason it's considerably mismatched. Yeah, PAS were all mismatched, but well, not that far. Yeah, they weren't supposed to be, but they they just randomly wound the coils till there was enough wire up bobbing. I'm sure that I they had a turn counter, but it my turn counters when it backs down from say eight thousand to zero, it stops itself. There's a relay in the turn counter that can stop the whole machine. I don't think that was invented till the early 60s. Because all the older pickups are so random. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've seen pictures of coils where like all the wires like lumped up on the outer <laughs> edges or ver the opposite all in the middle. And it's it's just like at, from what I understand, they just bought it until um, that's oh, why we have to stop every coil about six times and look at how it's winding. Yeah. Because the fiberboard varies a couple thousandths in thickness, and you have to adjust the machine, or else you'll have that lopsided. But but unbuckers, the whole purpose of them is so that when you tap it, you get the strong coil. Mm -hmm. the, the typical use of an unbucker, because of course the downside of an unbucker is a hum. Mm -hmm. But in a, in a hum single hum in a strat body, you're going to be using single coils most of the night. You're going to have hum, so. These guys don't care if their humbucker isn't dead quiet. They're still getting, I guess, about 66% home cancer. That's better than nothing. So that's a popular pickup for a job like that. 
Some people think it sounds better as as a full humbucker, even mismatched. It could. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm not a connoisseur of humbuckers as much as I am single curls. It's like I said, I just got my first Les Paul in my life. <laughs> not even a real one. <laughs> well, you made some pretty good sounding humbuckers, though. So, I know yeah. that maybe not your forte, but they do sound great. Well, I still listen to them. I just I'm just the kind of person who plays clean most of any night. Yeah. And so humbuckers have not been my thing, but there's something so nice about single notes on them that that really thick sound is, is great. Yeah, you can't fake it. <laughs> With a, I, I, I've, always, close. I've always said that I have this thing about your pickups is that really it's just like buy anything and it will all sound good. <laughs> <laughs> but buy anything from you and it will all sound good. I I don't really think you necessarily make a bad pickup. It might not be right for every person. But it, it's, yeah, we wouldn't sell it if it sounded bad. Yeah, I'm to make know. sure everything has at least a respectable balance of bass to mids to highs. Mm-hmm. So you can you can EQ your amp or turn it up or down and hopefully get what you want out of it. You know, I mean, the biggest difference between say much more powerful humbuckers and lower output ones because you can turn your amp up on a low output humbucker and make it crunch just the same as a really strong humbucker, but they feel different. Mm-hmm. Your touch, your control of the guitar is different. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a matter of taste. There's not right or wrong there. Some guys like a lo- lower output pickup with the amp turned up a little more. Mm-hmm. They feel like they're more expressive and dynamic and other guys like the forgiving aspect of a much more powerful pickup where doesn't seem to matter whether you hit it or just hammer on mm-hmm. same volume out of the amp. So that's all just personal taste. Mm-hmm. But since I play clean so much of the night, you know, higher output humbuckers just aren't of any use to me. Yeah. This, this guitar has our pure PAS in it at seven, six neck, eight, four bridge. Mm-hmm. And they're, pretty- yeah, that's plenty for me. I do like stronger bridges in every guitar. So we've tried to do that in all of our line. Do you uh, do you offer a hotter pickup, or if someone wants like you know like a fourteen fifteen k? Yeah, okay. the modern humbuckers are more like eight through about nine five, and then the high outputs. The neck I think is twelve five, bridge is thirteen five, mm-hmm. and if somebody wants it up to sixteen, I can do it. But the standard high output is right around thirteen five and. You know, they're they're pretty thick and grindy. They're still a very versatile pickup because there's you can coil tap it and it's respectable, and you can turn it down to five and it sounds like a lower output humbucker. They, uh, now there's a lot of people out there who make make humbuckers, and when you said you know it's not really your forte, is there anything particularly different or special about your humbuckers that that then say somebody else? Um. I don't know. I think I think all the makers building stuff build to their own musical tastes. And so, you know, I, I said earlier, my niche in this market is clarity. So mm-hmm. most people like our pickups will say things like, I can hear all the notes in my chords. You know, and my my original pickups were mud. So and I'm sure that all these all the builders who they're doing what they're doing on purpose is what I'm saying. So they all do sound different. I'm quite sure. Yeah, no, no, they do. 
They do. And, and the interesting thing is we're all working with the same parts and supplies. A humbucker is a humbucker, but, um, you know, the same rules apply to all of us, too. More wire is louder, thicker, dirtier, and darker. Less wire is more open and airy, brighter. Stronger magnets are brighter. And lower gauss magnets seem to be kind of mellower, warmer. So those rules apply to everybody. But how you layer it and what your choices are all through it. I know we've gone to the trouble to make sure, like, for instance, the screws in our P90s and humbuckers are the same steel that Gibson used in the 50s. And I have to have it custom made because it's not a, a steel that the, the screw manufacturers don't want to make it. You have to force them. You have to buy 200,000 screws for them to do it. But if you'll notice, the older screws were softer. The heads were always chewed up on them. And today, everybody wants to use a harder, more chromium steel. But the softer steel sounds better. This is more iron, less junk. <laughs> right. Right. We, we have gone to that much trouble. Um, but uh, I do think everybody's working with the same wire magnets. Yeah. 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 No, that's interesting. We had a question from um, Canelo Drinks and Jams. Uh, would Lindy make a hum canceling Rickenbacker toaster pickup? I thought that was an interesting question. So I I have a, a pickup that would fit in that cover if I knew where to get them. But I think Rickenbacker would uh, forbid anybody from like tooling up and trying to put out something that looked like their pickups. They really stay on top of that. Mm -hmm. I've asked around at every NAM show: Is anybody making a toaster top pickup? And nobody is. Same with the Diarmond. I had to make my own tool on the Diarmond. Hmm. Those are very expensive tools, and so you don't, you're not going to do it unless you're going to sell thousands of pickups. Right. Well, it'll take us a while on Diarmond, but I just really like Gretsch's. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I get to build the money on the Diarmond cover. That's cool, uh, Carlos Richardson. Hey, Lindy, where do you recommend a beginner should start winding pickups? Oh, just do it. Get get an inexpensive machine and try it. Everything I ever learned about pickups was from experiments where you just change only one variable and listen to them. So just get into it and have fun. Um, I'm not an engineer. I've never I've read lots of books on AC circuits, but I've, there are no books on pickups. Not that it really tells you what you what you'll find out from experimenting. Mm. You know, I've done every experiment you could think of in the last forty years, starting with simple stuff like more turns or less turns or tighter or looser. Try everything. Mm -hmm. Scattered or even or oh yeah, that matters so much. Yeah, um, and and neither is wrong. They just sound different. So you know, these are the things that. 40 years of experience helped me, but I, I've learned very slowly over the years. It's, it's nothing you can go take a course on pickups. And I will warn, I don't remember his name already, but um, anything you read about coils goes out the window when there's magnets in the coil. 
because all the books are talking about coils with steel in them, like electric motors and transformers. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, things are more predictable. But when you put Alnico in the coil, like fenders and Rickenbackers and Dan Electros, all those rules go out the window. Like a tighter coil is darker on a Gibson, but it's not necessarily on a fender. It's other weird things happen. Like you start to lose base if you wind a coil too tight. Hmm. So it, I, all you can do is experiment. So how do you wind pickups these days? So uh, is it still a hand-wound pickup? Is it machine-wound? It's, or a, it's a hybrid. We have um, – we like these George Stevens machines. They're old, and um, they last forever if you maintain them. And the reason I like them is because – there's a thing it looks like on the doorknob on the front of it. Mm-hmm. And if I grab that, I can guide the wire back and forth. But I'm not having to hold it in my fingers. That's just too tiring. I used to do that, and I would get tennis elbow from holding my arm so still for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. So all our machines, the wire is tensioned in these uh, alligator jaws with felt pads in them. And the machine counts turns very accurately. It has a what's called a traverse, which is how far it goes right and left. Mm-hmm. You have to change what's called a heart cam to change that. So you're changing gearing and cams all the time, changing number of turns and wire all the time. But the actual back and forth layering is not us holding it with our fingers anymore. It's grabbing this doorknob and, guiding the wire back and forth like that there's there's a video on our website you can see of me winding a pickup no oh, okay on these machines um uh so you can see how those how that's done but definitely not holding the wire in our fingers anymore that's just too tiring and you'll break them you mm-hmm. hardly get through a pickup without breaking it because some have ten thousand turns that's 15 minutes straight of trying to do this and never squeeze too tight <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That is the way Fender did it. You know, they supposedly had a desk with a shelf, a wire coming out of a little hole right in the desk, and just sat there and did this. Can you imagine doing that all day? I mean, every day, all day long? Oh, my God. I think that's why <laughs> he hired females. I've even heard someone say that he hired females with sewing experience. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because if you sewed back then, 40s or 50s, you had to fill up your own little spools with with thread. Mm-hmm. They didn't give you a new spool. They, you went in with your spool and you loaded it up yourself. So right. the, people knew how to wind coils. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's a rumor, but it's a good one. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so you started, let's go and kind of taking things back. You started doing rewinds and stuff like that in the late 80s, you said, right? Um, So when did you go into starting your own business, like to actually make your own? I had a very lucky find in a music store. I found a barrel of Dan Electro pickups, and I was a huge Dan Electro fan. That was about the only thing I could collect back then when you could, you know, when Fenders were three or 400 and Dan Electros were 50 bucks, I would, that's what I was buying. So I knew how much I liked these things. And uh, I started selling them for 15 bucks to people. And 
just happened to be right about then Stevie Ray Vaughan came out with his Strat with these things in it. And the price quickly jumped to 50 bucks a pickup. I was letting other people sell most of them, like Steve and Angela Instruments. But I gave me enough cash that for the first time I decided to tool up. And that's when we made our first new model. We tooled up for the Strat parts, you know, two fiberboard stamping tools so that I could order the parts by the thousands. And um, magnets, I was buying from various places back then, but that was early 90s, maybe 91 or so. We started making our first new pickup. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know that Stevie Ray Vaughan played a Dan Electro pickup. Well, oh, yeah. it was a white strat with three of them in it, and I don't. I remember seeing him live with that guitar. Hmm. I don't know if it's a. I couldn't tell you if they were real or old or you know. At the time, I think Chandler was making that pickup as a copy. Right. So uh, I couldn't tell you anything about that guitar, but it it made the demand for these things much higher. The original Dan Electro pickup sounded amazing. I thought I, I loved how those sounded. I think even in even into distorted style amps and things, it mm -hmm. just sounded great. They're very unique guitars. They're, I think they're wonderful. The neck pickup or the combination of two. I'm not a big fan of the bridge by itself, but the beauty of a Dan Electro is when they're both on, they're in series. So it's this big sound. You know, it's got some twang to it. It's a really big sound. Are we talking about the lipstick pickups? Yeah. Okay. All right. Every real Dan Electro, whenever they're both on, they're in series. And that's unusual for most guitars. Gibsons and Fenders, Ricks, Gretsch, Gills, they're all in parallel. So when two pickups are on, it doesn't actually get louder. You know, there's, a, there's some loss when you put two pickups on in parallel. In series, they get darker and dirtier and fatter and... I love Dan Electro's in that middle position. The other cool thing about a Dan Electro is when pickups are in series, your two tone controls can actually control one pickup at a time. You know, Les Paul, if you turn on either tone control, it affects the whole guitar. So in a Dan Electro, you can leave both pickups on all night and just play with the two tone controls to get a neck or bridge sound out of the guitar. Uh -huh. So if you own a Dan Electro, go play with that. It's kind of fun. I've been meaning to buy a Dan Electro. I think they're still underpriced. They're cool. Yeah. Very no, cool. I thought the Korean reissues were quite good. Yeah, absolutely. I have a double neck that you couldn't afford a real Dan Electro double neck, but you know, I got this guitar for 300 bucks, six string bass, six string guitar. It's a ton of fun. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we have a super chat from John McDonald. I'm interested, and I'm, I'm interested as well. This is a great question. What Lindy thinks about mounting pickups to the body versus the pickguard. Because I've also heard this debate about mounting pickups to the body, more resonance. Does it make a difference? Well, the truth is you don't want your pickup moving. You want the string to do all the moving. In a perfect world, a pickup would be absolutely stationary and the string's doing the moving. Because if the pickup starts moving too, like on an arch top sometimes, you'll have notes that are much louder than other notes. Because if, you know, if the pickup's moving towards the string, it gets twice as loud. If they're doing this, you're getting cancellations, weaker signals. So both, both designs are, 
ideally the pickup is very still and the string is doing the motion. I know there's going to be subtle differences. I don't really have an opinion. All my tellies have this pickup screwed to the wood and all my strats have them screwed to a pick guard. Not, there's not much you can do about it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and like for me, I, I, I don't know. If I if I can, I'd prefer to have a humbucker. It's probably the Eddie thing, the Van Halen effect. Uh, but just to have a humbucker, you know, right into the wood as opposed to into a pickup ring. But that's just me. Uh, well, I'm talking about purely theory. I don't have enough experience where I've ever like actually changed a guitar from one system to the other to see what happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the next question we have was from Ethan Ricks. I own a stock exotic XP 1T five string bass and the spec sheet has an option for a Fralin pickup. Could I order a Fralin pickup that'll fit that bass? If it's the same size as real Fender five strings, because we bought some five string covers from Fender to tool up to. So I knew I would have customers. Um, so ours are exactly the same size and ears are in the same location as a Fender five string. So if they're saying that ours fit, I think they've, they've done that research and they probably would. Mm -hmm. It also brings our, our newest pickup is going to be a five string jazz bass. Yeah. Uh, they're very hard to split left and right to try to get a hum canceling out of them. I don't like stack pickups. So, we have been spending two years trying to get a pickup to market that's a variation of our split blade, which is a left and right coil, like a P-base, but instead of pole pieces, blades. And uh, the prototypes are in. Finally, I've got functioning pickups. I was literally winding them today. Um, all the parts aren't in, but I've got uh, a test pressing from the mold, and I finally okayed it. They had trouble with my mold. Mm. It came in big by about 20,000. And they had to retool it because I can't have parts not fit. Mm -hmm. Instrument. And injection, molding, injection molding is really hard because they have to predict how much it's going to shrink. And it's not always absolutely consistent. So they have to build a tool big on purpose, knowing it's going to shrink some. <laughs> it's a, Tough process. And they did get wrong on this mold and had to literally remachine it. How long did that take after that? It added about a year to the process. Wow. But for a good six months, they were sending me more parts with trying experiments with temperature and pressure and different plastics and trying to get it to shrink more. But it just wasn't going to work. Somebody just guessed wrong about how much it was going to shrink. And but now that the, the, the retooled mold is done, they sent me test pressing, I okayed it. So I'll be getting a big bag of parts before long. That's cool. Um, he, he said, just a follow up, he says it has a rosewood cover. I would need to take it off and see what's under there. Mm -hmm. Is that your cat, Dave? What? I heard meowing and no? There's no meowing going on here. Uh, maybe maybe that's Lindy. Do you have a cat? No. Oh. No, I haven't maybe. heard any meowing. 
My dad was over here swearing with that. I'm just hallucinating. Okay. You're hallucinating, or you got a cat and you don't know it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Eric Johnson has a question. I'm curious what Lindy thinks about the mythical stratitis. What? Uh, oh, um, stratitis on a Stratocaster or any guitar suffering from dampening of the strings. Oh, yeah, that's a real thing. Oh, yeah, strat magnets are strong enough to pull the string out of tune. So you just have to lower your neck pickup on the bass side pretty much, unless you use an Alnico 2 or 3. Alnico 5 is just going to pull on that string too hard. So if you hear, if you ever hear two notes at once or as you go up the neck, it's usually worse the higher you're on the neck. If you hear either two notes at once or a warbling sound, you have to lower your pickup more. Interesting. And then that's just for single coils? It really is only, only guitar of mine that does it is Strat neck pickups and only on the bass side. There's a video I've done somewhere of setting up the height adjustment of pickups. And so if it's a Strat, you got to start on the neck pickup, get it sounding good, behaving. Then you do the other two to match the volume because you, you have to have it lower than other pickup designs. Right. P90 will never pull your strings out of tune. Um, I guess Tellys could, but we don't hear about Telleitis as bad as Strats. Mm. But it's a real thing. It's pulling so hard on the string, it's almost like a harmonic being created partially. It's just interfering with how the string's trying to vibrate. Okay, now I get it. All right, Stratitis. Got it. <laughs> Cool. So I had a question for you. Can you talk about the base plate? Because Dave, you mentioned yeah. that. And I got that on my, I saw it as an option. I had gotten that years ago on those pickups and I was like, yes, I want to get it again. But I remember it sounded really good. But can you talk about that? Yeah, it's a steel plate, exactly like all Tilly's had. Um, and we just made the same type of steel and thickness, but fit a strap. And what it does is it tends to pull the field down into the coil more. It just makes the pickup more efficient. That's all it's really doing. Um, it, it, you know, it might raise the inductance a touch, but sonically it makes the pickup just a little bit louder and a little bit bassier. So it makes sense on bridge pickups, which is why we don't recommend it for all three, just the bridge. Mm -hmm. And it helps make our bridge pickups just sound like you know a balanced set a little more bass a little more volume we also wind them a little hotter which thickens up the mids so you know, I'm trying to get a I tell you that's what got me into winding pickups in the first place was my strat bridge pickup because I had a 65 strat all three pickups were 5.7k and that sounded great in the neck and middle but in the bridge it was pretty thin sharp yeah and so I, I bought a Seymour Duncan uh, Seymourized, which was 14 and a half. And at first I loved it. And then I started thinking, do I, isn't there something in between five, seven and 14 and a half? <laughs> well, I got into that winding machine and started playing with it. And I think it took me 10 years to make consistently get the results I was hoping to. It's, it's a lot of trial and error. Winding. Right. 
you know, you'll think you think uh, this one's going to be great. I got you know, that many more turns on it, and for some reason, it doesn't sound good. You don't know why. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, because is is that scratching? Is that the dog? That is my dog. Okay. Yeah, she's licking something. Dog, what's going on? No, that, that's okay. <laughs> oh, and and and, yeah, that's and a normal sound. Right? Video, my, my cat was making noise, but it all in the other room of the house, like way far away. Okay, but I did ask. I, I did hear it. So no, you're hearing that little. Yeah, that was just like a right here next to me. Okay. <laughs> all right. No, that's all cool. My one cat that appeared on the uh, uh, Bob Branch on show was. Uh, uh, likes to wander around the house. It's an old cat. Wander around the house and carries the stuffed animal and meows like it's in heat or something. But <laughs> and then it'll stop. And we don't understand. It's it seems like he think you know she thinks that it's her baby or something that she's carrying around in her mouth. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> and over the years, she just keeps getting louder. Oh, wow. <laughs> she wants you to do something. No, she just she, she she just stops and then she's fine and she goes away and just oh. every single night it's the same way. That's wow, weird. Every maybe she thinks it's prey. Maybe, maybe prey or, or something, but she. No, kid, we had a cat that brought in it had its own little cat door and it brought in living creatures all the time and we'd find it in the morning and poor thing was still alive, bird or mouse. Or, <laughs> they just tortured it. Thanks for the gift. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Cecil Music, thanks for the question. Uh, Mark, can you ask Lindy's thoughts on Filtertron pickups? Ah, uh, yeah, they're uh, you know they're somewhere in between full size Gibson humbuckers and Gibson mini humbuckers. So they're and they're neat looking. We're actually that's in our future. I, after I'm done with this five string split jazz, we've already got covers, and I've even tooled up for a mold for a bobbin. I don't have the base plate figured out yet. Because I'm not going to build a filter try and knock off. I'm going to try to do my own thing with the pickup. But where they have to fit people's instruments, mm -hmm. so it's got to be. And if you if you notice the old Gretches and the Japanese surface mount, the Korean and the Chinese are height adjustable. So there's a different base plate under them. Mm -hmm. And I haven't made a drawing of that. I actually bought a Chinese and a Korean, and of course the whole spacings are different. So I'm either going to have to have two base plates or split the difference and see if the screws can be at a tiny bit of an angle and get away with it. I'm, I'm working on it, but I like them. I think they're, they're neat looking pickup and you can probably get any sound you want out of them. Just like we have such a wide variety of humbucker sounds. I could do all that same stuff in a Filtertron cover. Hmm. Because all, all Filtertrons really did when they, you know, in the 50s was use half as much wire and a stronger magnet. So they're, for humbuckers, they're on the twangier side. And they only read about 4.2K instead of 8. So they were, they're basically a humbucker in their own way. What makes a humbucker so unique is that you're picking up a full inch of the string. That's why you really can't make single coils sound exactly like humbuckers or humbuckers sound like single coils. Right. Because you're, it's just a whole different way of picking up the string. Mm -hmm. 
Cool. I'm, I was meaning to ask you a question about this earlier, and thanks, Matt White. Uh, he says, Joe Perry is well known for being a Freeland user. What uh, Joe looks for and prefers in pickups would be cool to hear about. Unfortunately, I've never gotten to talk to Joe. All of uh, the pickups we've made that ended up in his guitars were done by RS Guitar Works. Um, he, he loves those guys and because they'll make him whatever he wants, a leather-covered guitar, uh, anything he wants, they'll make it for him. Mm -hmm. And I've heard he has 400 guitars and still loves all of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> good for him. You know? But I never got to talk to him direct. Um, you know, Roy at RS Guitar Works is, is a person I talk to, and he knows what he wants sound-wise. We sell them some pickups that they actually go to the trouble to change the magnets, degauss them just a tiny bit and put them back together or something like that. Because uh, he has access to, I think it's Greg Norman in the Kentucky Headhunters, has one of the greatest Les Pauls in the history of the guitar. Everybody says it's one of the best. You know, light, super loud, even though both pickups are 7.6 or something. And um, he has access to that guitar. So he's had me kind of try to make a modern version of that. And every time he has to take the magnets out of our pickups and degauss them a little bit to make them sound like that guitar. Hmm. So they go to a lot of trouble to, to get uh, the sounds they're looking for. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. cool. What other, um, other artists have you worked with over the years? Rarely do I get to work direct with anybody. They all have guitar techs. Hmm. Um, there's a few exceptions. Guys like Sonny Landreth put his own pickups in. And uh, Duke Robillard loves to tinker. I think most of his guitars, he has a little connector under the pickup so he can change them without pulling harnesses out. And my other dog wanting to be in. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go out? I'll let her in. You can go out. <laughs> Uh, I know uh, Chris Schiffle from the Foo Fighters has, uses some of your pickups. Oh, yeah. Dave Grohl does, too. Again, I've never gotten to talk to him. You just talk um, to the tech. Yeah, these guys have pro techs and full-time job. Mm -hmm. Their whole, you know, I mean, it must be super nice to just play guitar for one song and then hand it to somebody. I'll take the telly. Already in tune. Yeah. <laughs> but, that would be a beautiful thing. Oh, it would be a fun thing. That's for sure. Uh, Steve still, Rayburn. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I still have to load our PA and plug the mic cords in. We have to, <laughs> not just my own rig, but the whole PA. <laughs> yeah. What was he about to ask? Uh, Steve Rayburn. Are there, thanks for the super chat. Are there differences between staggered and flat pole in terms of compression or even tone? I don't know about compression. Um the stagger is so that all the strings are the same volume because they're not all the same distance from the pickup. So you stagger or you might adjust pole pieces if they're adjustable to just try to get every string the same volume. As far as compression, I don't know that it would change much, but I guess it's very possible it does in a subtle way. Hmm. You know, compression is the amp. So the pickup might affect the compression, but it's not the pickup that's doing the compressing, it's the amp. Yeah, but I, I, I often find some, correct, uh, 
um, I often find sometimes like when you have like something that's rolled off like El Nico 2 or something, it, 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 it feels like it's compressed a little bit. Or yeah, just, that's, that's probably just frequency and how it's rolled off. And it has a it has a very different sound. We keep Alnico 2 around, although none of our standard models use it. Mm -hmm. uh, but if somebody says, I want a stock telly that's darker, then I'll mix some Alnico 2s in with the 5s. Mm -hmm. then you, you know, you don't have to wind it hotter to get it darker. Right, um, right. So I do keep 2s around. Um, but uh, yeah, the compression, I mean, you being a tube amp person is in the tubes more than anything, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it can be, or the circuit of the amp. or, or But but I do find there's some little magic in the, um, in the, uh, the pickup, too. I hear it. It's, it has to do with when they dig into a pickup, and, and there's that a little sense. Because I've heard stack pickups that sounded okay, but they didn't feel right. Right, correct. It's more of a feel. It, yeah. I'm not saying it's compressing. It feels like it's compressing. That's what I don't like about stack pickups. It's not the way they sound, because some of them sound respectable. They just they don't respond to your touch right. So I know what you're talking about. That, that could right. be. Again, I don't play dirty as often as other people, so I'm not going to say I know everything about compression. Right. I've always avoided compressors. Every time I try one, I don't like what exactly the tack on the strings didn't write anymore. Right. Except for slide. I like a compressor for slide because mm. mm -hmm. it makes it more forgiving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Brent, of course, evens everything out. Um, Steve Rayburn had a question. Does Lindy know which pickups on his Brad Paisley he's used for so long? Well, for the longest time, he was using our Blues Specials. But I think his Fender model uh, is something he's developed with Fender. I'm not really sure what's in the new ones, the silver ones. Mm. He has a Brad Paisley model now, and I got to play one on his tour bus several years ago. It was a great guitar. You know, he's a he's an insanely good guitar player, and he knows what he wants. Mm -hmm. So he had a super light, very resonant guitar with a, no, uh, it was nitrocellulose satin on the neck, so it wasn't sticky feeling. It was a really good guitar. And that was just off-the-shelf Brad Paisley model. Mm. I don't know what pickups are in it, but the Blue Specials he did, like, and at that point, I was in, I think he said every guitar on stage had our pickups in it, but I don't think it's that way anymore. I think he's very happy with his new model. Yeah, um, I know that he he was with Crook Guitars for a while. Yeah, he was having them built. Um, a cut my cousin actually had Crook Guitars build him a Paisley model. Mm -hmm. So I know he, you know, Crook Guitars make good guitars. Um, there was another. Oh, so Chris Quinn and uh, I love this also that when you call they call the shop, they can get you on the phone. Um, I know that's a, a great thing. I know Dave anyway. People find that so amazing, but I just hate computers. So <laughs> if I have a choice of answering emails or talking to people, I'm going to talk to people. Plus, I can work with my hands while I talk. I'd have to stop working to go get on a computer. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm at least 10 times faster talking than typing. So it's just pure selfishness on my part. I'm a little bit the opposite. I prefer <laughs> email uh, to actual talking, but um, but I'm super hands-on because I answer everyone's email and I'm constantly uh, yeah. the guy that when they email me, when they're emailing the company, they get me. So, which I find easier because if I have a customer service guy doing it, he's just going to wind up asking me the question anyway. Well, that's partially true. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to have to give it to him and then he's going to tell it to them wrong. And then <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, the other thing is winding calls is incredibly monotonous. So I think talking on the phone keeps my brain from turning to mush. I enjoy <laughs> most conversations with people. They're excited about their guitars and they're, I might hear some new ideas or they might ask some questions that make me think sometimes. So I don't That's mind doing it. Whereas I, I know it, people think it's so rare to, to find a human on the other end of the phone. <laughs> I know nowadays. <laughs> it's, a, it's a treat. Um, Tim Chalmers, thanks for the super chat. In the late 80s, Dana Sutcliffe designed some electric guitars for Alvarez. What does Lindy, uh, Lindy know about HSH pickups? Absolutely nothing. Sorry. One <laughs> 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 Alvarez, purely acoustical guitar. Sorry, we can't give you your super chat back. Sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I knew more. Is, uh, you said HSH. HSH. something that he really likes about them? Are they louder, cleaner? What is it you like about them? Hmm. Maybe, or maybe he just knows Dana Sutcliffe. Uh, I'm not familiar with uh, that person either. Um, uh, Caleb Schaffner. Hey, Lindy, I have a set of vintage hot strap pickups in my 63 American vintage strat, and it's the best sounding set of strap pickups I've ever heard. Well, thank you. That's because I think they're possibly the best single coil pickups. Yeah. At least yeah, from a guitar. If you have an electric maple with big frets, you might like the blue specials. But they're both wound with the same magnets, same technique of the hand layering like the old fenders were. Just the blue specials have more wire. And I, I in my own guitars, I like the blue specials in them because I like ash and maple and big frets. Uh, James Maxwell, thanks for the super chat. Your delay pedal episode led me to buy a free the tone delay, which I love. I can't believe how much better it is. Any recommend recommended reverb pedals? Well, that's our next episode. <laughs> oh well, yeah, well maybe yeah. Uh, I'll I'll recommend one that's great. Uh, although I think we've driven the price of them up because <laughs> uh, they stopped making them. Uh, it's uh, Digitech uh, Polara. Yes. Um, now, let me explain. I'm not talking about shimmery reverb or any kind of ambient sound effect reverb. I'm just talking about straight up great sounding reverb. And and that pedal, they did a really good job with it. It sounds really good. Uh, I mean, it's the spring's great, the plate's great, the hall's great. It sounds it sounds really good. And it's discontinued. So um, go drive the price up more. <laughs> I mean, I looked at it the other day. Seriously, Mark, since I since I mentioned this on our shows before, the price has gone radically up. Wow. Really? That's yeah. So funny. You used to be able to get them 
Well, I remember there was a time you get them used for, for like a hundred bucks. I think knew they were hundred fifty dollars or something, and and now now I saw prices like three fifty. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, four hundred. <laughs> I saw right. it higher than that, and I'm like, I mean, I still saw a couple that were down around one fifty, but you know, but I was like, damn, shouldn't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and then the luck. I have a Flint Strymon Flint. Oh, that's, that's a great one. Yeah, because I have a couple of you know tweed amps with no tremolo or reverb, and so it's a really nice pedal. Yeah, that 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 one's great. Flint's re really good. Um, uh, I you never get this name right. All those reverbs from uh, New Neighbor is it New Neighbor? The, it's like new new burger, but it, it's I think new neighbor. I think it's the company that the, like they make the wet reverb and they make a couple other ones, and those always sound really nice. Huh. Again, not not sound effect reverb, not shimmer and stuff like that. If you yeah, want guitar pedal reverbs, there's <laughs> Big Sky and things from Strymon and some other stuff that'll do that kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm just talking about meat and potatoes. In my uh, recording studio, I don't like, and that's the TC Hall of Fame reverb. I think that's just that should be tossed in the trash and should go away forever because <laughs> uh, it just doesn't sound good. I mean, it doesn't. I, the thing about a great reverb is is it has like this depth. It's not just like reverb; it has this depth and space to it. And and I find that the TC is just flat. It's just like not. Doesn't have the right decay and stuff. Just hmm. not a fan. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Uh, Cecil Music says, Mark, please tell Lindy I really enjoyed his video showing capacitor differences with his decade box. Oh, yeah, that's a fun toy. What is that? I that too. A smaller capacitor, you know, tone capacitors. And yeah, uh, that's mostly what I'm doing with them or the volume kit. And you can also coil tap a humbucker through a capacitor. So being able to change from one to another instantly in a circuit just with a click of a switch and hear it is valuable. It takes too much time to solder one in and hear it. Mm. I'm I sure you own one too, don't you, Andy? Yes, I do. And I, I, uh, I had also bought a pick card from you a while back. Uh, I think it was with, with the vintage hum canceling blade pickups, and uh, I, I love the value of the tone um, cap that's on that. It's just it rolls off just right, you know. It's kind of fun when you play with your tone caps where it doesn't go all the way dark, you know. It just rolls off a little bit. All the way is just a little, and then somewhere between, it, it's kind of cool. Well, yeah, for Fender pickups, I like a much smaller value capacitor. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I found on that decade box. I would have never known that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the, the traditional strat one is a huge one. Yeah, but that same that same capacitor is a little too subtle for the neck pickup. So you know it's it's a bit of a compromise. Or you could have two tone controls. There's a lot of ways you could do it. We even I even have one guitar with a push-pull tone control. O2 yeah. when when down and O2 went up. Hmm. Cool. Um, this kind of touches on our question with what we're talking about. I have vintage hots in a strat with Emerson blender wire kit. It sounds like it's missing some of the brightness. Would changing 
the 0.047 UF capacitor help? It shouldn't be doing anything when the pot's on 10. So uh, I don't know that it will. It's a worthy experiment. And make sure all your pots are the right value because if you test enough 250Ks, some of them will read 215. Some yeah. of them will read 270. Um, the, the pot, the volume pot, especially in a guitar, you're putting a short across the pickup. And that's why different pot values affect the tone. It's, it's called dampening. When mm. you put a short across a circuit like that, because it seems to only affect the highs when it's at that higher resistance. But, you know, I know, I know the guys at RS buy pots by the thousands and then find out what the resistance is and mark them and put them in a baggie so they can tweak guitars down the road with them. Uh -huh. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, I'm not Johnson. sure why that's happening to, uh, to him. But okay. Uh, Eric Johnson has a question. Could Lindy talk about lace sensor pickups? I bought a 90th Clapton for my Christmas present this year. Lace sensor gold loaded. I don't know much about them. I've taken one apart to see what they did but it was already dead. <laughs> it's an interesting design. And I actually used to talk to Mel Lace, the guy who actually designed that pickup um, before he passed away. He was an electronics genius. And uh, so I, I have a lot of respect for him in that pickup, but I don't know really much about him. I don't know the different models. In other words, there's a gold and a red and whatever else, silver, I don't know. What he did was to make an insanely efficient pickup because it's very low gauss, very little wire, and still really loud, and then triple shield it. So it was, it was a single coil, but it's essentially hum canceling. So he's, it's, he knew more about electronics than I'll ever know. <laughs> yeah, they, I know they just recently came out with some newer pickups as well. I, I've heard good things. Um, Stuart Rose, thank you for the super chat. Uh, hi, Lindy. As a lefty, which I am as well, uh, stagger, stagger is an issue. Oh, sure. It's okay. I'm just letting the dog in. Never <laughs> mind. I, I I love it. You know, you don't have you don't even have to walk them. They're just like, hey, I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, I still walk them every day. But yeah, we have a fenced-in yard. You're right. That's beautiful. All right. Uh, so, hey, Lindy, uh, as a lefty, stagger is an issue, not just after a drink. <laughs> uh, love a vintage telly neck. Would a steel pole 42 with adjustable pole pieces pair with a stock telly neck for better definition? They can go together. Um, the steel pole, of course, you get a, a, to adjust it, so the stagger is a non-issue. But it is a beefier, darker pickup. If that's what you want, you'll like it. It's... And there's nothing wrong with having the two in the same guitar together. I will tell you this, though. Polarity is always an issue because Fender never had a standard. All of us pickup makers, you just have to pick an era and stick to it. So all the pickups we make in our line are like the way strats were made from 60 to 82. And so you would want to get one of our, if you're going to mix a pickup like that, you would ideally tell me what magnetism, what magnetic orientation your neck is, and I would do the bridge opposite. 
and then give you enough wires to reverse it. It's complicated, but they can call the shop and I'll talk to them about it. But yeah, mixing them would be perfectly fine. You just have a beefier, darker bridge and a very traditional neck. Okay. Uh, BV, thanks uh, for moderating all of our shows. Uh, he says, uh, Dave, the flint suns the wet to mono before the processor, which can make wet dry and the stereo tricky. Do you know what that means at all? No. Dave? Flint suns the wet. You're, I think you're on mute, Dave. Good question. I didn't even uh, know that. Um, doesn't the dry pass through though? Uh, most of the time, flint for me is kind of a mono um, effect because uh, you know the tr well, or a mono in and out. You know, uh, I, I guess. Yeah, I don't know enough about it to be honest on that one. I don't generally run that pedal much in stereo. That particular pedal. Okay. Um, just going through the questions, see if there's, I know we're almost approaching two hours here. Um, Yes, fast guitar down there says hardwire RV seven are also great reverbs. Correct that that was the predecessor to the that Polara. Maybe you can still get those cheap if I don't say anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roy Batty, I'm looking forward to the EVH pickup deep dive. Dave bought a pair of Maxon Super Seventies from a friend of mine. It was funny. Yes, it's me. <laughs> that's funny so you got some super 70s dave yeah i got a pair of old super 70s very nice listen to that's cool oh, they look cool <laughs> very cool uh oh, yes the mythical deep dive of van halen pickup might have used over the years <laughs> Uh, let's see if there's any other questions that I missed here. Oh, yeah, I did miss this one. John Lastracio. And if I did that, if I pronounced that right, I deserve a prize. So <laughs> I think I did a good job on that. Um, <laughs> uh, Lindy, can you explain potted versus non-potted pickups? Sure. Potting is just soaking them in wax. And it and in my mind, it's the best way to protect a pickup from the elements or from vibration. It keeps humidity out. And of course it keeps parts from rattling, it keeps oxygen out too, so it'll last longer. So you're really just soaking the, the pickup in some kind of wax. We use paraffin, um, but a lot of manufacturers didn't bother. You know, early Gibsons weren't potted while fenders were. A lot of other pickups weren't potted. Uh, I think it's a benefit because we want them to last a long time. So we pot all of our pickups. People and say it, people say it uh, darkens a pickup, but 
in my opinion, it would only darken a pickup that's already on the darker side. Because it does raise the capacitance, you know, 1% or something. But if a pickup is bright to begin with, you're not going to have it. It's not going to turn it dark. Yeah, no one ever thinks our pickups are dark. Does it matter on the type of wax that you use? I picked the paraffin I work with by calling a wax company and saying I wanted it to melt at a low temperature. I wanted it to have a, a low dielectric constant, which means how much it darkens the whole circuit, how much capacitance it adds. And I wanted it to not shrink when it cools. And they pointed me to one and I've been using it ever since. There you go. That makes sense. Yeah, we wanted to melt it like 125 or so because our wax baths are tried. We try to keep them right around 140, 145. You don't want to melt parts or do any damage to a pickup. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe in wax. It's the other good thing about wax is it's undoable. I can peel a coil. If you find an old lacquered fender bob and you can't try to peel it and repair it. And so uh, wax is easy to repair a, a pickup. Mm -hmm. uh, Will Armitage, I, I think you had sent in a super chat uh, without the question. I think this is your question. What type of Randy Rhodes Concord is that in the background, which is that one right there? Uh, well, I don't know. Right there. Um, that's a GJ2 guitar from Grover Jackson. Um, I don't think he makes them anymore, though, right, Dave? I don't think so, no. No. So, um, but you might be able to find them used on uh, Reverb. I've seen them. So, yeah, that's a lefty he made for me. Um, We're going to have to start getting, I wonder if Reverb has an affiliate account. They do. <laughs> Because because with 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 all the recommendations of like older stuff and things like, <laughs> can get the money there. <laughs> I, I should reach out to Frank, Frank mm -hmm. Frank, uh, we had on the show. He works for Reverb. Yeah, I'll reach out to him. Uh, John says I pronounced his last name perfectly. Let's You get a prize, Mark. I'm not sure what. I don't know what it is. John will send me, you know, a guitar. Uh, thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Deja Blue, Lindy, what do you think of the new Fishman electronic pickups and where pickup pickup technology is going? Any new technologies coming up that you're interested in? I have not tried those, but I'm a big fan of Fishman for all my acoustics. If I want them amplified, they're nice enough to talk to you on the phone. They got preamps that'll go various places in the guitar. So, but as far as that electric thing, I believe it's a one-turn coil. No, no, theirs is a stacked one, a stack of printed circuit board looking things, right? Yeah. I don't know what they sound like. It's an interesting idea. I've been trying to give away an idea for 30 years about picking up the strings with lasers instead of pickups, instead of magnetically bounce a laser off it and find the return. You know how like the grocery, the idea came to me while watching groceries get scanned. Hmm. You just wipe it past the thing and it reads the barcode. You could also sense the movement of the string with a laser, but I'm not going to develop it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do transistors. <laughs> right. You're like, I'm not going to spend millions. Um, 
it would end up being a cheap pickup, I think. Lasers can be cheap, and you'd have a sensor just to pick up the reflection back, probably work with infrared so no one had to see it. I'm sure it would be perfectly good pickup. You'd still have to have two or three of them because it, the string behaves different at different points. So, you know, a neck pickup and a bridge would still be necessary. Mm. But uh, it's an interesting idea. You know, because coils are not cheap to make in – like neither are amps. There's nothing about a guitar that you can make super inexpensive. It's all hard to do. Lots of different parts. Some are molded. Some are machined. Some are sculpted. Wood is all you know shaped and then painted. I don't know if you'll ever get these things so cheap that they, <laughs> you can just clone them or have a 3D printing machine print them out. <laughs> right. Yeah. How cool would that be? It's an idea, but it'll be a while. Maybe one day the, we'll just find instruments that can read our minds, and you don't even need to do anything but think the notes. <laughs> that's the future. That's going, that's going way far in advance. Yeah, wear one of them aluminum hats. and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like playing guitar, so I'm not looking for something space age and different. No, me either. Um, I also love uh, upright basses. I own two of them, and I try to play them every day. I'll never get good. It's been 20 years, and I'm still no good, but I love them. <laughs> That's cool. Do you, uh, play in a band? Do you play in a band with uh, the upright bass? or just? I just played in a bluegrass band for a bunch of years, but I couldn't keep up with jazz if I had to. Uh, bluegrass you do is a lot of open notes. <laughs> well, that's certainly easier. <laughs> oh, much easier. Yeah, I watch jazz bass players go up and down the neck, and I'm just amazed at how good they are. Uh, L. Scott Music, what is that little amp behind Lindy? Oh, that's a Swart. It's oh, a, I've heard of those. Those are good. It's nice. It's 166V6, and uh, re it's got reverb. Bass, so it's got bass, I mean, uh, volume tone reverb. And it's a good little 5-watt amp. Cool. I uh, I keep it in the house in case you know music breaks out late at night. There's a there's a room next to me with a grand piano and an upright bass in it, and that little swart lives in there. <laughs> cool, sweet. Um, well, I think we've covered all the questions. Um, so uh, I want to thank you, Lindy, for coming on the show. This has been fun. Yeah, it's been awesome to have you on. Make sure everybody checks out uh, FralinPickups.com. Um, or you can call Lindy personally, and he'll get on the phone with you. Um, and, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I don't have my phone with me. It's Oh, no, I do. Hang on. Uh, I wanted to just look to see who our next guest was. Um, oh, that's right, which we were trying to schedule Chris Shiflett um for the 18th uh but i don't think that's going to work so i'm or i have to work that out um so we don't have anything scheduled just yet before the holidays but we we might do a surprise show so we'll keep you posted uh make sure everybody checks out sweetwater please all right um and press subscribe and click the bell for the channel that would really help out uh Press the thumbs up as well, and we will uh, we'll see you next time. Check out our Facebook, Twitter, 
uh, Instagram, look for us, Tone Talk on any of those, and uh, we'll, you'll get updates as well on when the next shows are. Okay. Thanks again, Lindy. Hang on while I hang up. Dave, have a good weekend. Yep. Everybody have a good weekend. Take care. Thank you.